Life is a canvas. Listen as Dr. Allison R. Tendler and her guests paint the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and business leaders on her podcast, The Art of Seeing Clearly. Through insightful questions and thought-provoking conversation, Allison and her guests explore the essence of what it means to truly experience life, business, entrepreneurship, love, success, and even failure through a clearer lens. everyone, I'm your host, Dr. Allison R. Tendler, board-certified ophthalmologist, surgeon, owner and CEO of Art Vision and Artisan Skin and Laser Center. I literally get to work every day to help people see better on the 2020 eye chart. But true clarity in life and in business often requires a slightly different kind of vision. I happen to have a passion for learning how other entrepreneurs and leaders find their clarity, and I want to share with you some of their secrets to success. Alex Halbach is a native of Lyle, Minnesota. He received his Bachelor of Arts degree in political science with a minor in business economics from South Dakota State University in 2007, graduating magna cum laude and with honors college distinction. Alex continued his education and received his Juris Doctor and Master of Business Administration degrees from the University of South Dakota School of Law and the University of South Dakota Beacom School of Business in 2010. While in law school, Alex served as the alumni development graduate assistant and served as the American Bar Association representative for the University of South Dakota School of Law. Alex has had a successful law career as a former partner at Cutler Law Firm and developed a passion for business, real estate, and development that has led to many entrepreneurial ventures. Currently, Alex is founder and partner in Boulevard Properties and chief legal officer for Millborn Seeds. We're excited today to learn more about Alex, his insights, and how he sees the world clearly. Alex, welcome to the Art of Seeing Clearly. Alex, nice to have you on our podcast today and look forward to getting to know you a little bit and some of your leadership skills that have helped make you successful in this world. And maybe you can give us some tips and tricks for those who are listening. Perfect. I'll sure try. <laughs> Sounds good. So, Kind of starting from the beginning, um, you grew up in a little town called Lyle, Minnesota. I actually had to look up to see where Lyle was. Yeah. And it's way on the eastern side of, of Minnesota. So uh, how big was the town and what was it like to grow up there? So I always say that I grew up as a borderline Iwegian because uh, Lyle falls right on the Minnesota-Iowa border, um, just south of Austin, Minnesota. Okay. Uh, town is about... Uh, last I checked, about 550 people. So is it is it declining? Is it one of those types of towns or is it staying about the same? It's staying about the same. Actually, it had grown a little bit from when I was in high school. Uh, not not a ton, but um, enough that, um, you know, it was it was a number that that was increasing. And we used to always joke when they put a new census sign up. We were like, oh, yeah, we're eight people more than we were 10 years ago. <laughs> That's progress. So. I mean, small town. I graduated from uh, Lyle High School with, I think there were 14 kids in my class. And we were uh, 200 kids K through 12 in the same building. Um, and a few years after I graduated, they built a brand new school in Lyle. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, a new building for the, for K through 12 students. So, so did, did, you, uh, did you grow up in town or were you a country boy? So I started in town and then I moved to the country. Um, Oh, I'm trying to remember how old I was, eight or nine years old when I moved to the country. And so I 
like to say that I grew up in the country. I grew up in the the country when I was little. My grandparents all farmed. Um, we had crops and those types of things. But I, I state that my best childhood ever, I was I was a child until I was 10. And when I moved off of that, you know, off of that country, I'll call it a farmstead for lack of a better term. So I was curious on what your upbringing was. Yeah. Nope. I grew, started in town and then um, actually moved to the country, uh, moved to the country to the farm where my dad grew up. We bought, okay. we bought my grandma's farm and uh, kept it in the family and moved to the country. And we have... Um, did some crop farming and then really just a hobby animal farm, mostly mm-hmm. for um, 4-H exhibits. Um, so we had cattle and hogs and so did you show rabbits and I did. Yeah. yeah. What was your favorite of the animals? What was your favorite and what was I, its name? So I was a pig guy. I preferred pigs over any of the others. Um, my brother was a cattle guy and still actually raises and sells show cattle uh, even today. But I had this uh, guilt that. Um, boy, the one, the one that I can remember the best, that was kind of a, kind of a roan butted, uh, blue butted guild. And she, her name was Bubbles because she would, <laughs> she would walk over to the water fountain during the summer and just, just stick her nose in and just blow bubbles all the time. Oh. So that was, uh, that was one that always stuck out to me. But yeah, 4-H was a pretty important part of, uh, pretty important part of my life growing up, um, was active in Minnesota 4-H all the way through, boy, graduating high school and then went back as a summer summer assistant as kind of the intern and worked for the county extension office, um, mostly in 4-H programming. So I, I really like to credit 4-H as being one of the first areas that kind of piqued my entrepreneurial interests because I got to experience so many different areas. Um, project areas, got to do photography and computers and, you know, all the different livestock species and really just got to explore lots of different things um, through that program. And so I I really think that helped me become a more well-rounded person and somebody that was open to different opportunities when they would come around because I grew up doing that through 4-H. So I think that some of our listeners maybe don't even know what 4-H is. And we often think of 4-H being more for those those smaller uh, smaller outlying towns. Um, I was in 4-H when I was little. Didn't ever didn't ever show animals or anything, but I did get a blue ribbon on an outfit that I sewed at like age nine. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, Claim to fame. There is that. So there are so many lessons that we learn as a as a child or a young adult, and I think growing up in small communities and particularly on the farm uh, really teaches us a lot of lessons. Do you have any lesson that you learned in those years that may have helped or changed you, helped you become who you are today, other than um, your 4-H background? You know, Something that happens. I think 4-H background and also growing up in such a small community, it was so important for you to be active in, in everything, right? I mean, if they're, you know, I was a three sport athlete, played football, basketball, baseball, was involved in uh, choir and band and the National Honor Society. And in those small towns, you you have to do it or they don't exist, but for yeah. you doing it. Um, and again, I think really that team mentality of just jumping in and helping wherever you can. And um, I think it really helped me become that jack of all trades, master of none type of uh, person where I was willing to just jump in and learn and figure it out and 
um, you know, just keep working hard at it. I think because that's the, just the way it was growing up. I mean, between 4-H and school, I, there were always things going on and they just, it was necessary for you to be a part of it to make sure that that program existed. And I think I got to experience a lot of different things because of that. So, Well, having a look just at a brief glimpse of your, your life, um, you seem very driven. And as you talk about your time growing up, you also have to be very driven to want those things. I mean, so is it just you or was it the situation? And what do you think makes you drive? What, what gives you that drive to succeed? Because that's not in everybody. That that's that's really not. And so I just want your, you know, kind of your thoughts on that. You know, I would say that my my parents, I think, really encouraged me to stay active and stay involved and really, you know, really encouraged me to stay active in lots of different things. And so I think my parents helped install that drive, you know, and, and a lot of that is just it's I, I feel like it's inside you. Either you have it or you don't. I just feel like when I was growing up that it was it was just part of being who I was, where I was at in my life. And I think that's continued. You know, I went on to South Dakota State University and was very involved in student government and in, um, you know, I was in the Pride of the Dakotas, I was in the Honors College and really continued that diversified um, integration of lots of different student organizations, ultimately became the student body president um, my senior year of um, undergrad at South Dakota State. And yeah, I think it just, I, I just had this thirst of continuing to understand you know, different, different areas of, of life. Um, yeah. Did a lot of international travel, did, uh, was involved in student government, was, uh, you know, just, just had this interest in all things. And do you think that that drive ever gets in your own way? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like how? I, I very much have a problem saying no. Um, it's something I always feel like, oh, well, it won't take that much time and it, it would be a huge help to A or, you know, a huge help to this person or a huge help to that person if I could just, you know, jump in and, and help along the way. And it 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 can be overwhelming at times. I, I ask that because I think that's an important thing to talk about because as that person who is driven, who is curious, who wants to learn a whole bunch of things, who wants to be there for their family, their community, um, that can also lead to, you know, possibly feeling a little overwhelmed. Or And so you, you really have to manage that. They always say if you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And mm -hmm. I think that is a hard balance. And And do you have any, you know, suggestions or ideas for things you might be working on to try to achieve that? Um, uh, that, that, cause there's give and take and they're really busy times and there's less busy times, but what do you do to try to help balance that? Yeah. I, I think for people that are in this space that, that like to drive, they, they want to be helpful and they want to say yes, and they want to get involved. Um, but I think you have to look and ask yourself, is it really core to whatever path you're on? Is it it, does it fill your cup or is it potentially a distraction or something that that can drain your energy and take away from other things in your life? And, you know, we always hear about, you know, this this idea of work-life balance and this idea of making sure that you're true to yourself and true to your path. And I think I think it's really important to 
be able to stop for just a second and look at something and say, is it something that fills my cup? Does it give me mm -hmm. energy? Does it allow me to, you know, uh, to further me and make me make me better into some area or allow me to become more of an expert in some area? Or is it is it a distraction or is it something that some somebody else might love an opportunity to jump into? And so being able to look at yourself and do that self-assessment is really important. And I think it takes a level of maturity to be able to do to be able to run that analysis. So I really agree. Uh, one of the and you started answering some of the questions that I had, because one of those things was like, what does increase your energy for you? What is that thing that like, oh, this just fills my cup. To, like, I love doing this activity. Yeah. What's something? Oh, my goodness. Well, one of the many things. So you have to pick, you'll have to kind of pick one. But somebody asked me the other day, they said, well, like, what are your hobbies? And I think I think what I have learned is in the areas that I have started to move in from a business perspective, they are they really are more closely in alignment with with really my passions. So I'm starting to say a lot of my entrepreneurial activities are really hobbies of mine. Um, and they really do fill my cup. The, you know, the property business that I've been working on for the last few years um, really is important to me. I, I love old projects. I love historic properties and I love to see them given new breath and new life. Um, and so for me, the planning and the walking a job site and seeing pro progress actually happening is really just super energizing to me. And so anything that is in that space, um, I'm involved in the Board of Historic Preservation. And so being able to see projects that are that are going through the pipeline, understanding what what drives people to engage or to do that work, and then being a part of, you know, protecting that that history or yeah. In a lot of cases, it's it's figuring out a way to preserve a level of it, but also just make it better and make it more modern is really fun for me. Do so. you feel that your your energy is derived from the the ideation creative side? Because then there's the tactical side of who's actually going to go in and get that project done. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so there's there's different levels of what I. I you know, what we call our geniuses. And so I'm like, oh, I can see your energies coming from like, how do we get this project off the ground versus like, do I actually have to do the project? So, so I would say my favorite is walking through and saying, oh my gosh, it would be so cool if we moved this wall or we took this down. We Just make it happen. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, you know, going through, going through law school and spending countless, countless, countless hours watching HGTV. I mean, that's the way it goes, right? They just walk through and Say this and it, and it happens be, and, it, and and yeah. yes, budget be damned, right? Yeah, budget be damned, and all of it's done in like an hour show. So I mean, it should just be that easy, right? You walk through a space, and next thing you know, everything is exactly the way you want it to be. You and I would get in trouble together because yeah. that's how I am too. <laughs> but now I've been able to assemble kind of a team of people to help execute that vision. So mm -hmm. you know, I think everybody also has to understand where is their strength. Right. Is there strength in the the vision side? Is there strength in big picture thinking? Is there vision in seeing what could be? Or is there strength in taking someone that can say what could be and then executing and creating that? Right. So 
the doers versus the seers. All the details that need to get done and this signature needs to be signed by this date to make this happen by this time and making sure that 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 whole vision and that happens accordingly. And there there are definitely strengths on, on both ends. So you are... You went to SDSU. So how in the world did you get up to SDSU in Brookings from Little Lyle, so, Minnesota? Uh, I mean, maybe 4-H or because they had an amazing band. I'm not sure. So they, they had an amazing band. I looked at a lot of schools when I was trying to figure out where to go for, for college. And my parents really pushed me to go to South Dakota State. Um, they They wanted, I really wanted to get as far away from home as possible. I wanted to go... Really, wherever wherever was the furthest distance away was kind of the the driving force for me. I don't know why it's. I had a really. I don't think know. that's abnormal. Coming, you know, a lot of kids coming from smaller towns, you know, tend to think. Even though you loved your your upbringing, but you know, I you know, it wasn't like I was I was running away from something. But I think I had this feeling of wanting to do something, uh, wanting to experience something totally different. And I felt like geographically that needed to change. But uh, my parents uh, just felt like SDSU was a really good fit for me. And um, when I was looking at schools, they kind of said, well, we think that's about as far away from home as you should go. And so I'm like, well, that's perfect. SDSU it is. Um, And I knew within a couple of weeks after, after landing there that it was a really good fit for me. So you, you, Majored in political science. Did you feel like, and then you went on to get your law degree as well as an MBA. I mean, talk about an overachiever, somebody who yeah. must really like those books. But yeah. so it's, isn't it kind of fun though? Do you have all those years of study, 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 which isn't really creative at all. And now yeah. you're in this chapter that you get to like, like, where did all this creative energy come from? Like, this is... Yeah. Is there ever like, wow, I was this person and now I'm this person? So it's more of, I think, for me, it's more of blending the two, right? Because I, you know, as a lawyer, I think the the part for me as a practicing attorney in private practice for, for about 14 years was during the day, I was helping with strategy, helping, you know, clients with with issues and, you know, in some of that. And you still have to actually create a problem solve too. Yes. And now so, that I think about it. That's problem solving too, but it's very detail oriented and it's very, um, I'm executing something for that client, right? They want to be able to move this matter forward or they are mm-hmm. moving into a project and they need a new business form, a new company formed. They need all the details and pieces lined up. But I think what I what I was missing in that 13 and a half year career was the big picture, mm. the vision, the execution, the being able to walk into um, walk into a room or run to Sherwin Williams and buy a new can of paint and actually transform a space in a day. Right? Did you feel that some of that confine that you're in actually drained your energy by the end of the day? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, for sure. Okay. For sure. And I, and I think so what I did is I used the property company and kind of the renovating and the design aspect of, of my of my business and my entrepreneurial side to fulfill the gaps mm-hmm. that I was feeling in my professional career. Mm-hmm. And I would say even even to this day, you know, I changed careers, kind of changed directions at the end of last year yeah. um, and still, you know, still am, am doing this property um 
property company as kind of a hobby side job, but I still am getting filling a need that I really need in my personal on my personal side with the property company. By so that. you're so. you're currently a chief legal officer of Millbourne Seeds, and yep. so how does an attorney find himself in the seed business? Like, but what was it about that particular position? You're like, all right, I think this is my this is my this is my gig right now. Well, so so Milburn was a client of mine for about uh, eight or nine months uh, um, in 2022. Um, they had reached out because they were growing really uh, rapidly. Um, they had a lot of M and A work, a lot of business work, not. Mm -hmm. You know, not lawyer work. Not yeah. yeah. Um, okay. One of my my favorite clients that I got to work with. Some of the favorite types of clients that I got to work with in private practice were those that I got to integrate more on the business side mm -hmm. than strictly on the legal side. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I still have a lot of really good friends and clients, past clients of mine that would that will call and say, "Hey." we're thinking about expanding into this area or we've had an opportunity that has presented itself. What do you think? And it's, they're not asking me what I think on the legal side of the world. You're asking, asking from a business side. Yeah. This from a business perspective, what my thoughts were. So Milborn kind of offered that opportunity to mesh that business and legal side together. So, so do you enjoy, um, do you do coach? Do you, um, you know, like business advice? Do you do any of that? Uh, I would say I do do it in kind of an ad hoc fashion. I'm not, I don't have any paid consulting gigs, but I get calls all the time from people that are like, hey, what do you think about this? Or how would you, how would you structure that? I just met with a, a friend slash past client of mine actually about two weeks ago at Start of Sioux Falls um, and sat down with them and they're working on fine-tuning their their um, kind of their next strategic direction. And they just said, well, what do you think? And I had all, all sorts of questions on, have you thought about this? And if, you know, if your growth area is projected to be here, what is going to incentivize an investor for stepping into that space or coming alongside you as a startup? Um, and so I really do my head thinks that way. Um, and I'm, you know, again, I I always joked with people if if you want to buy me lunch or a cup of coffee, like I have no problem in talking to you for an hour or whatever <laughs> if I'm eating or drinking. So or and then you might make coffee. a new friend, you know, by yep. the end of it too. Uh, exactly. So as an entrepreneur and an accomplished attorney as well, what and yes, helping friends, but other clients that you have in the past um, with business, what are a couple pieces of advice you might give to someone wanting to start their own business or other entrepreneurs out there today. Like, hey, here's kind of my here are my three things that I that I want you to think about. Number one, I feel like you can never have too many conversations about it. I would encourage people to reach out to people that they look up to or people that they have followed or people in the community that may have expertise. Um, and try to seek out those professional relationships, not necessarily for, you know, in, in my situation, legal advice as much as it is, hey, I just love to pick your brain. Um, and I think Sioux Falls has really started to create a I'm sorry, um, incubator for that. Yeah, they've they've really started to create to to 
creative space. You know, Startup Sioux Falls, I think, has done a nice job of encouraging conversations. Uh, utilize your network. Um, reach out to people that may be in a space that that you think you might want to be in and ask them how they how they went about it and how they thought about it. I, I have found that this community is extremely welcoming and very open to having mm. those types of conversations. Um, cause I, I think you can't really, I, I, I don't think you can go wrong by just asking questions and having a conversation. Um, you know, and, and I would, I would also say do that with, with anybody that will listen to you. Um, you know, bankers, um, accountants, lawyers, um, marketing professionals, um, you know, take it again, take advantage of your network and have a conversation because I don't think, I don't think you can go wrong in potentially learning something from one of those professionals. So. Well, I think that's one of the things that I hope Alex also that people will get out of, um, you know, my podcast if they listen, is that there is that that community and reaching out and learning from others who have been in similar situations or know things that cause bringing it all together does take a true village and just having the courage to listen, desire to learn and make some of those connections, uh, I think can really propel you forward in ways you may not even realize. So as far as, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, you know, it's it's a it's a propulsion thing, but it's also a trying not to repeat the similar or same <laughs> mistakes that others have yeah. have done too. Why um, waste energy that way? Exactly. So if someone can say, "Hey, I thought about that the same way you did, and here's the problems that I ran into when I, I tried to address it that way," yeah, and you can say, "Oh, well, well, instead of me falling, you know, making the same mistakes and tripping on steps, you know, D, E, and F." I can jump right to step M because that's where you're at. I think there's a lot of value in avoiding avoiding mistakes. I think there's a lot of value that comes from making mistakes and learning from those mistakes. But I think you can learn just as efficiently and maybe maybe even more efficiently by having somebody tell you, I thought about it the same way you did and I, I stumbled or I tripped and instead I'm doing it this way. And I think that can be really helpful and really mm-hmm. powerful too as you try to move forward. So. And then you've also gained a mentor in the in the uh, exactly at the same time. So you recently announced uh, a new partnership in Boulevard Companies, and that yes. is your you know development uh, side. So how did that evolve, and why does that excite you so much? So, um, so Boulevard Properties started kind of as a mistake um, when. And of course, I, I already figured out you live on the boulevard, so hence. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> so everybody, Alex lives on, lives on a boulevard in, in Sioux Falls, one of the beautiful boulevards. Yeah, super creative name, right? Um, but so I um, love, love older homes. I think I've told you that. Um, love older homes, love all that is historic preservation and the character and attitude that comes with with. Um, properties that are that are of uh, of older age it's just you know they say oh they don't build them like they used to well there's some truth to that um so i started doing a major renovation in the house that i'm sitting in right now um top to bottom um total you know total renovation and in order for me to do that and it, it included lifting the house off the foundation and put new foundation underneath it um 
as part of that, I needed to move out of the house for, um, probably it was planned for a year. It ended up being almost two years that I didn't live here and I needed a place to live while this one was being worked on. Um, and so I was looking for apartments in downtown Sioux Falls, uh, trying to find a place that, um, was, uh, would fit what I needed for that period of time. And also something that was relatively affordable because after living in college rentals and rentals, when I was in law school, I was really ready to build equity in something when I graduated. Um, and so it really kind of rubbed me the wrong way to think about renting again for a year or two years. Um, and so what I, what so I you bought a building. So I bought a house, a second house actually. <laughs> Because it was cheaper to buy another home um, than it was to rent a rent an apartment, and so I said, "Well, I can own it for two years or a year and a half, two years, and in the meantime, I'm going to continue to try my skills at renovating." So I bought a very much a house that was in a lot of love um, in Central Sioux Falls, and moved in. Gutted the kitchen, gutted the bathroom. Actually, I I did that before I moved in, but gutted the kitchen, gutted the bathroom. And did you did you do this yourself as Mr. Handyman? Yep, okay. I did the I did it myself with um, some help from my family, from my dad, um, and ended up replacing a window and ordering cabinets and you know doing a new kitchen and and just putting that all together in kind of a sixty day period, a rush before I moved in. Um, lived in the house for almost two years. And then the plan was always to sell that when I was done with it and then just come back and have the house here. So finished all these great renovations. The property ended up being beautiful when it was done. And when I moved back, I had a friend that said, hey, I'm not ready to buy a house right now, but would you ever consider renting it to me? And I hadn't really thought about that. I hadn't. And this is how you got into the property business. And that's how I got into the property business was um, I rented that first home, um, saw that it that it could be financially successful. And um, I started started doing more of it. Well, how many properties do you have right now? So we have about 30 residential units now. Wow. Yep. And all single uh, homes or. Nope. Nope. Some single family, some. um duplex, threeplex. I just okay. recently acquired an 11plex in Central Sioux Falls. Um, and then we have a couple commercial properties and some development property as well. Um, That's a couple commercial properties going. So really, this was all kind of a fluke. Yeah, it kind of was. Yeah. Yep. Kind of a fluke. Um, and, you know, and I've learned a lot. There are things that I would do differently if I were to look back on it. Um, I uh, there are things that I wish I would have done more of when the interest rates were lower a few years ago. Um, and, you know, I think there's a lot of challenges coming up in that world um, because of where interest rates are at, because of what's happening with uh, material prices and everything else. But So um, what business advice would you have given to yourself? I would have probably been a little more aggressive in, in borrowing and leveraging at when interest rates were where were, were they were. And uh, I think, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. when you look back. I don't think anybody ever predicted that rates would increase at the pace that they have increased over the last few years. Um, so I think access to capital is going to be a problem for a lot of businesses as they continue to grow um, moving forward. Um, 
but yeah, so through that, through that relationship though, with, with renovating my own property, the, the prime contractor who is a friend of mine who did the property here, we have stayed in touch. I was very happy with the product. Um, and as I continued to grow and expand and do more commercial properties or, and look at renovating some of my existing residential, uh, uh, portfolio, it just, I wanted him to do the work because I was happy with him. I was happy with what he was doing. Well, I'll need his name when we get done. Yeah. <laughs> so that is why we merged. So my prime contractor, um, we I finally had lunch with him one day and I said, why are we doing this separately? Why aren't we doing this together? Um, because one of the biggest limitations in my property company was when I would, when I would get something purchased, I would want to get work done before it was ready to rent or you know, we had looked at some kind of higher end flip type of, and I don't like the word flip, but some higher end reimaginations of some properties. Oh, that's a good word. Reimagination of a property. Yeah. But the biggest limitation on that was I couldn't find people to get the work done. Mm, yeah. I couldn't get slotted into their schedule. I couldn't get, you know, my biggest limiting factor on growth was not being able to get the actual physical construction done. Um, and so I solved that by merging and um, bringing in a trusted partner who kind of manages the construction end of our business now. What do you think about, you said in a way, I'm putting words in your mouth slightly, but didn't take some of those risks at the time where maybe you should have. Yep. I feel that way as well. And it's like, am I missing out on something or am I being smart or how do you guide, you know, some of your business clients or would you in those situations? Yeah. I don't think there's right or wrong. There's there's hindsight. You can make it look either way. But I struggle with that. And I'm going to bet other people, too. How how much do I stretch myself financially yeah. to to make that leap? Um, what what are your thoughts? You know, I think everybody has a differing level of risk tolerance. Yeah. Right. I think the first step to being able to make some of those decisions is truly looking, again, looking at yourself and understanding what, what is your risk portfolio or what is your risk tolerance, right? How much are you willing to risk in order to get to where you're going? Um, some people might say, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really willing to risk a lot to keep moving. And chances are those are probably not entrepreneurs. They're probably not people that are going to hang their own shingle that are not going to buy a business and move forward because as anybody that has ever done that knows, you put a lot at risk to be able to do that. Um, in some cases, you put it all on the line for that, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think as an entrepreneur, you have to assess your to yourself what is that risk tolerance um, because there are, there are op opportunities for you to be an entrepreneur or to be a business owner that may, that are not as risky. Um, and the way I, uh, the, what I point to in situations like that are like franchise businesses, right? Where somebody comes the, in. And, the process is already at least done and the model's there. And business in the box, right? Yeah. I'm going to buy the business in the box. I'm going to pay a $25,000 franchise fee. And somebody's going to tell me exactly what I need to do to chart, to move, to move in this direction. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, the problem with that, is, and there's trade-offs with all of this, if you go get business in a box 
um, in the form of a franchise, chances are there's going to be a lot of rules, though, on how you operate, right? You've got brand standards. You've stipulations. Got, yep, stipulations. You've got capital requirements. You've got, you know, design standards for the retail space, whatever it might be. So a lot of entrepreneurs I've found that are that are high, have higher levels of risk tolerance are not getting, are also more they want to control their own destiny when it comes to a lot of those items because it's ultimately somebody else's business who's Correct. franchising it. Yep. Yeah. So it so it might not mix with your risk portfolio. It might or your your risk tolerance. And it might not give you the ultimate freedom that you want to run your own business, but it might be enough that you can get a taste for it so you can decide what mm -hmm. you like and what you don't mm -hmm. like. So I think one of the first steps in to, to understanding how you should be in business for yourself is understanding your risk tolerance. Because, um, you know, again, I when I look at, man, I wish I would have pushed harder, I'm pretty risk I'm pretty risk okay. So for me, I'm not I'm not risk averse. I'm I'm probably the opposite. And sometimes I can be too too yeah. aggressive. And it depends uh, upon what what stage you're in, uh, too, for many things. What's one of your favorite projects that you've done to date? Like this was the bomb project. Oh my gosh. Boy, I I think I look at the house that I currently live in as a project that was for me, really fun. Um, I think it's because I was so passionate about every detail of the project that, um, that it, and I'm very happy with the way that it turned out. Um, I think I saw you have a pretty, uh, amazing wine area. Is that correct? Yeah. I have an 1800 bottle cellar, um, in my basement with, uh, black walnut cabinets, temperature controlled, um, 11 foot I think I saw in a video somewhere you like your wine glasses too, right? I do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, so for everybody who, for everybody who can't see, I, I I do drink my water at at the office out of a wine glass because it just tastes better. It just tastes better, it just yeah. Tastes better. <laughs> so the project though that I have right now that I, that is mid process that I'm most excited about is my commercial project up on Grange Avenue. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is kind of a neighborhood. Um, I look forward to seeing what that what that what that turns into. Yeah. So we've got restaurant concept, outdoor space. Yep, rooftop patio. Yeah, um, nice. In a neighborhood that I think could really use the could really use that resource. That that community so, resource. Yes. Yeah. Let yeah. me bring on that that word community for a moment. Um, you you know we talked about all the stuff that you're doing as you know, like, hey, here's how I make my money. Here's what I do. But you also give back a lot to the community. Mm -hmm. And when you say you're like, you say yes a lot. Um, you've said yes a lot to some amazing organizations um, yep. within our community as well. You've helped run their boards. Um, like, number one, I'm like, again, how do you do all that and manage it? Because all those take a significant amount of time. And then how do you set... Um, you know, how do you set up your boundaries for yourself um, so that you preserve and maximize some of the time for uh, time for Alex? Like, do you do you get Alex yeah. time? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, the, the Alex time really is when I get to throw myself into those projects so that I'm passionate about. I I really get a lot of energy and enjoy that work. Um, yeah. You know, the, what's the old and I don't I don't want to get really cliche here, but 
you know, people always say, find what your passion is and then figure out a way to make money with that passion. It is so true. And for me, a lot of that time where I would say that's, I classify it as me time, is really time spent working on those projects and in those areas that I just really get a lot of pleasure and enjoyment out of. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think again, it, when you're looking at board service as well, um, there's a lot of really great organizations in this community. Um, a lot of great organizations that have, um, a lack of, of people that really want to jump in and get engaged at that level. Um, and I think there's a lot of young professionals in Sioux Falls that have, um, really a level of imposter syndrome where they feel like they, they don't have anything that they can add to a board or that they, that they aren't good enough to participate or be involved at that level. And I would tell all of them that they're full of a bunch of crap, um, because there are so many organizations that just need people to care and to participate in a lot, a lot of times they have openings on those boards and they haven't filled them or they they don't even know who to ask. And so I would encourage people, if you have interest in serving, if you have interest in being part of um, of a nonprofit or a nonprofit board, to reach out to the nonprofit and say, hey, I really, I really appreciate your mission. Your mission resonates with me. Is there anything that I can do to help? Um, and I think they'd be really be surprised at the amount of outpouring of of offers that they would get if they're willing to do that. Alex, considering that you didn't grow up here, um, mm-hmm. how did you um, kind of immerse yourself in community? How did you find your place in community and, and maybe some uh, advice or tools for others who might be in a similar situation? Boy, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think, so if you're familiar with uh, YPN or the chamber mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. uh, that I think is a really great way to meet people and to to find out what's happening, whether it's in the nonprofit space or just the b- business community space as a whole. Um, you know, I read um, pretty much any but business publication in Sioux Falls locally that I can find. I read the Wall Street Journal, which they stopped delivering, by the way. Yes, I digest the majority of my news digitally, so I uh, that's that is uh, uh, something for me. Uh, that, but anyway, I, I think those types of organizations, when they have mixers, uh, go to the chamber mis- mixer, mm-hmm. slap a name tag on, get uncomfortable and introduce yourself to people. Uh, that was really challenging t- for me to do when I was younger. I would say I would go to those events and stand in the corner because I was so afraid to introduce myself because why would somebody want to talk to me? Right? Why? I didn't. I didn't have any value to add to their life. At least that's the perception that I had. Um, eventually, I got past that, and I'm like, oh, gonna go grab a glass of wine, and I'm just gonna go find out who's here. Just, just so, go for it. So just go a, for it. That's an interesting um, move into one of my questions. I mean, because you do you, you seem to be this um, amazing professional. Has a lot of things together. You seem to be moving forward, taking risks, nailing it here, doing this. Um, so what is your kryptonite? What is something that if asked, you know, that still might give you some angst or anxiety? Boy, what is something that gives me anxiety? Honestly, I, it, it really comes back to time for me. I mean, I struggle with, with, uh, 
not overcommitting to things. I struggle with trying to wanting to be everything to everyone, even though I can't be. Yeah. Um, and so, and I personally have had to put up boundaries and try to reframe that, I guess. Um, and it's, it's not easy. I, and by no means have I mastered it. Just ask anybody in my life. They're like, you say yes way too much. So uh, what's your next construction or home improvement project? Boy, next construction project. So on top of the project on Grange, I have another house off the foundation across the street from me um, on the boulevard. Um, And so those two big projects are going to really get in full swing this summer. Um, And I think trying to manage costs on those projects and make sure that that we land where we had expected from a budget perspective is probably one of the biggest challenges at this point in time. Um, Just, you know, uh, material costs have thankfully softened a little bit, but not in every category. Um, Access to um, to qualified trades. Tradesmen. Yes. Yep. Trades people. Yes. Getting really Mm -hmm. quality um, people that that appreciate their craft, I think, is tough to find right now in Sioux Falls as well, Mm -hmm. um, because they're and and for those of us who are very detail orientated, I need like I I expect that of myself if I'm going to be doing your surgery, I I'm going to be as detailed absolutely as possible, Um, and I expect that of a craftsman a craftswoman in my home, I expect the detail and their attention to it to be like their best. I have a very, I would say, very detailed eye on that stuff. And I am not afraid to tell you what I see and that it needs to be fixed. So I think I have very high expectations for the people that I work with as well um, that they can. Execute. I could have said that. I could have said that same statement. <laughs> exactly yeah. the same way. Yeah, I just I just do. It's um, and part of it comes from my background of being a DIYer is if I'm going to pay somebody to do something that I could probably do myself if I put enough time into it, I want it to be done at a level that I can't do myself. So, yes. Um, but yeah, I I just, you know, those projects, and I think as, as I look for growth moving forward in Boulevard companies, um, there's a couple areas that, that I am uh, exploring, adding a couple more verticals to that business um, in the real estate brokerage side of of that. And then we have plans to move into the hospitality world as well um, with some unique kind of um, short-term type of property offerings, possibly even boutique hotel type of space. Um, And it's all about, all about one of a kind. It's all about unique experiences. It's all about unique properties. Um, You know, I, you probably won't see me building a 12 plex of, or, uh, you know, putting up a 50 plex in Southern Sioux Falls, it just doesn't fit my portfolio and my interests. And there, yes, uh, your, your interests and your passion. Golly, I can't wait to hear and see what those are. Um, that's amazing. So as we, as we start to wrap up, I'm going to ask you a question. If you're going to invite somebody over to that amazing house of yours with the amazing wine cellar that you have, who are you going to invite and what type of wine are you going to serve? Who am I going to invite locally or who am I going to? Anybody. Let's, let's move. Let's, let's. Being much more involved in, uh, in the ag space, I would say in the last 
90 days than I have been for a while. I, I think I have been very much reignited in the in the ag space mm-hmm. and what's happening in the industry, where it's growing, how things are changing and in in to become more sustainable. I would love to talk with, honestly, well, the Secretary of Ag would be really amazing to sit down and just pick their brain and find out, you know, where do you see the industry moving? Where do you see the world changing in that space? Um, You know, climate change is obviously front and center um, in a lot of people's minds or at least becoming more of a a regular conversation for a lot. And awareness. And awareness to, yep. And I think, I think having a conversation with people about where the industry, where industry is going specifically in that space would be super intriguing Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, so I'd love to, love to talk with anybody that wants to engage in that area. But as far as what I would serve, so I'm a big Pinot slash Cabernet type of fan when it comes to wine. I like really bold Pinots or mm. very flavorful cabs that that uh, have some depth and body to them. Um, yeah, I'm I'm more of a red fan than a white fan, although I do have both in the cellar. Um, As I, I should. Have, yes, um, but I would say the ratio of red to white is probably 80-20 red to whites <laughs> in my cellar, but... Yeah. Well, it has been such a joy to visit with you and to get to know a little bit about you, your background, what gives you energy, what drains it. And I think, you know, one of the takeaways that I have is that you were brave enough to also sense where your energy and your genius lies. And you made a change. You made a switch that fulfills you and fulfills your call of of who and what you're uh, at least in this chapter meant to be yeah. meant to be doing and all because you just bought a house and like yeah right <laughs> Should be funny. yeah that is amazing so thank you for um discussing with our listeners a little bit uh, about your art of seeing your life more clearly and um cheers to great wine and to constant reinvention absolutely thank you so much i appreciate it This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.